Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Thanks for tuning in to Growing in Grace. I'm Joel Brzezinski, Mike Kapler here, and we're getting set to talk about the wonderful grace of God, the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, how we died with him, rose again with him, and we now, by no effort of our own, and through nothing that we've done, we have this gift of eternal life that we've received freely. God's given it freely, and we receive it freely. Uh, we're here to talk about things like that on this podcast. We've been doing it for the past 10 years, and all the past podcasts, feel free to download them. Yeah, you can download all of them if you want to. Some people have done it at growingingrace.org. Super. Excited about it, Joel. Excited about today's podcast. Yes. So I think we're going to we're going to talk about something here that, uh, you know, it's it's words that Jesus said and uh, we're going to totally deny them because, you know, we <laughs> run from the words of Jesus here on this podcast. <laughs> At least we've been accused <laughs> of doing that. <laughs> yeah. If, if you were new to the podcast, that was supposed to be sort of funny. Um, <laughs> That's why I giggled. <laughs> you'll, you'll, I said it. you'll have to adapt to our sense of humor, because we aren't going to change it just for you. Exactly. You know, uh, sometimes I say things with a straight face, too, and, you know, without a giggle when I'm joking and people don't know how to take me. Uh, so, yeah, like he said, <laughs> we're being funny. <laughs> well, and that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses, Joel. I, over the years, I, I've had people tell me that they, they couldn't tell if I was kidding or not, <laughs> because I, I do kidding? like to joke around with people. And sometimes I, I probably come across as, as sounding like I really mean it. <laughs> um, I just like giving people a bad time and I expect to get it back. Um, but for some people who aren't used to that or they're more serious natured, um, I, I just like to laugh. I like to try to stay loose because there, there's enough things in life to to weigh us down and keep us stressed out. So I need to do something <laughs> to try to relieve some of that. And, and humor is a great uh, source for me in, in, in being able to uh, to relax. Yeah, there's there's one time I won't get too far off track here. But before I was married, I was talking with uh, someone who was an elder in the church that I was going to. And I was it was a serious conversation. I was asking him questions and, and about finding a spouse and, and if this is right or if it's not right, you know, how to go about it. And anyway, in the course of the conversation, I said, I want the perfect wife. It was being, you know, not serious, but yet just kind of like, you know, I, I want to find the perfect wife. Well, anyway, a few years later, he, he reminded me of that. And he said he, he thought I was being serious and he had even told other people that I had said that. And, and I'm like, no, 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 I wasn't being serious. But I said it was such a straight face. He thought I was being serious. So, yeah, I've learned sometimes I got to put a little smiley face in there or or whatever in order to let people know that I'm, I'm actually just joking. I know. You know, us, us old people got to learn how to communicate properly. <laughs> it's bad enough face to face. And I, I've already mentioned how I struggled with that and, and you know, help uh, people getting confused whether I was serious or not. It's even worse <laughs> in the electronic age. So. Yep. I'm learning, Joel. I'm learning. That takes time, and by the time we're long gone, we might have figured it out. Who knows? <laughs> there will be something new coming out. There by will then. be. It's all so, going to be different. It's always changing. Let, let me uh, let me throw out a couple of Christian religious talking points for you, 
And you who are listening right now, tell us what comes to mind when you hear these things. Um, take up your cross and deny yourself and count the cost. Those are the kinds of things that you would typically hear in, in Christian religious circles. And I don't know what comes to mind for those who are listening, Joel, but hopefully we can jump into this and see how much we can cover on it before we have to cut off uh, for the next week. Yeah, uh, well, you know, um, Jesus said that those words, you know, take up your cross and follow me in, in, in at least three of the different uh, gospel accounts. And, well, let's go to the Luke one. Uh, Cap, you and I have been looking at that one, Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. And then you are talking about counting the cost. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, and so on. And he's talking about a, he talks about a king going to make war against another king. Doesn't he first sit down and consider whether he is able to, uh, with 10,000, uh, to meet him who comes against him, with 20,000? And, and so on and so forth. So uh, so likewise, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Oh, what a wonderful story there. We need to forsake <laughs> all that we have or we cannot be his disciple. Got to count the cost. You got to take up your cross. What do we do with that? Well, we always assume that Jesus is speaking to us, right? That somehow he's communicating a timeless message that we are supposed to latch on to Boy, my computer just goofed up while we were talking. Let me see if I can get back to what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I, my computer was kind of making some noise, and now I it just uh, it just changed the web page on me. But so now I don't I don't have that that scripture right in front of me. Oh, no. maybe it's coming back. Here here it is. Here it is. Hopefully we'll hang in there. We always assume these things that Jesus is speaking directly to us, but let's remember that Jesus again. And there may be times where that is the case, where he is looking forward to the, the new covenant and the, the, the future of our lives in him after the cross. We see some of that in the, in the four books called the Gospels. But quite often, Jesus is also teaching to Jewish people who were under the old covenant law. Jesus was a, an old covenant prophet and teacher. And he was born under the law, and he came to deliver people from that law. The, the Israelites, okay, not us, but the Israelites. So these large crowds are going along with him. And so let's let's sit on this for a minute here, Joel, because this is pretty powerful stuff. And so let's assume for a minute here, just for a minute, that Jesus is not instructing us on how to be a disciple, but he's trying to show people that they can't attain to that level of satisfaction. Kind of like during the Sermon on the Mount, remember how he went through all of Matthew chapter 5, just pounding the law into people. And it sounds, you know, kind of like he's, he, some people will interpret it as though he's instructing us on how to live with some sort of new rule book, when really all he was trying to do was say, you have to be perfect. If you're going to try to do this thing, you're going to have to be perfect exactly like God is perfect. So here, with that in mind, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own, I mean, think about this for a minute. Is this really what Jesus wants us to do? If anyone does, uh, comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
whoever does not carry his cross and come, I know you just read this stuff, Joel, but mm-hmm. whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So my question, Joel, is he's speaking to people before he died to Israelites under the law. Do they even know, do they have any kind of a clue as to what he possibly means when he says, carry your cross? If you're not willing to do that, you cannot be my disciple. Well, he's looking ahead to, well, no, he's talking to Israelites here. He's not talking to you and me. What does that mean to these people if you don't carry your own cross? Well, they would figure it out later. But then he goes on to say these things that you just scraped on here, Joel. Uh, You think you're going to try to build something? and finish it, you better first sit down and calculate that cost. See if you're going to be able to complete it. Uh, And if you're going to go to war, uh, you better sit down first and figure out whether you're strong enough to finish the job. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that you aren't strong enough to finish the job. I am. Uh, And he goes on and says, therefore, salt is good, but even if salt has become tasteless, what will it be seasoned with? It's useless, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It's thrown out. The salt is thrown out. He's talking about the covenant of salt that God had with Israel. Um, The people aren't going to be thrown out. It's going to be the covenant that was thrown out. However, the salt lost its flavor because the people failed in that covenant. And so I think Jesus isn't trying to encourage us to carry our own cross because you look at the New Covenant writings, you know, from after the, the four books of the Gospels, from Paul or Peter or John, and there's no identification, there's no description of you and I as believers in Christ carrying our own cross. There was one cross, and we died with Christ at that cross. But he's the one who had to carry it. He is the one who was able to complete it. You and I are not going to be able to do that. Therefore, you know, because a disciple is supposed to become like their teacher. Uh, but Jesus said, if, if you don't give up everything that you possess, you can't be my disciple. How many of us have done that? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, look at, I mean, really look at what he said. And I know I've heard over the years people saying, well, you know, he was just exa- exaggerating to make a point. It's just hyperbole. People say that with things he said in the Sermon on the Mount as well. He's just exaggerating. He's, you know, he who does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life. Well, he's just, you know, he's saying it's, it's you need to, it, it's, it is really uh, difficult to be a disciple, but we can do it. He's just exaggerating to make a point. But no, he's just, just forget what you've heard just for a second, at least. If you've heard that Jesus is just exaggerating here, he actually does say, uh, if anyone comes to me, does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. He actually says, count the cost. Who doesn't count the cost? Who doesn't uh, think, you know, if they're going to war, can I really, with my 10,000 men, can I actually beat this army of 20,000? And uh, likewise, he says, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's his point. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And so, if a reasonable person looks at this, the only conclusion they can come to is, I can't. You're right. I can't do it. Cap, I think you're right. He's, he's showing people that you know, they think that they can do it. Because there were people who said they will follow him, and uh, but yet they had to go, let, let, the, let me go bury my father first, or let me go first do this, let me go first go do that. Jesus said, no. 
essentially it's right here. It's right now. You got to do it. You can't consider all these other things. You just come and follow me right now. You got to forsake everything. And so it's virtually not just virtually, but it's, it's impossible to do this. And the good thing, like you said, is that in the rest of the, uh, the new Testament epistles in everything that Paul said, in all of his explanations of the gospel, he never said that you need to bear a cross that you need to take up your cross and follow Jesus. He said that Jesus did take up his cross and that we died with him, like you were saying, on his cross. (laughs) He joined us together with himself in his death. We were buried with him in, in his death, and we were raised together with him in his resurrection. And so that's really what salvation is. And so I don't think that we can look at this passage in Luke 14 or any other times when Jesus said, count the cost and take up your cross and think that he's talking about true discipleship. (laughs) If that's true discipleship, again, like you said, I don't know anyone who's done it. And along with that, the idea of surrendering everything to God. You've heard that phrase, right? We need to surrender all. Give yourself completely to him. Well, that sounds good. It preaches good. But what do people mean when they say that and... Is that really a a legitimate way of looking at our lives in Christ? We'll talk about that coming up next week, right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.